Good morning, good morning. <laughs> it is such a joy to be with you all each and every Sunday morning. And I hope that you know that throughout the week, uh, all of us, Sarah and I and, and the, everybody, um, just hold you close to our hearts. And you are in our prayers and our thoughts throughout the week. And so each time when we gather, it's just a joy to see you. And I hope that you each feel that for each other as well. I'm Amelia Richardson-Dress. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. I'm one of the pastors here at UCC Longmont, along with Reverend Sarah Verasco. And we get to welcome you today. It's our tradition here at UCC Longmont to welcome each other using the words that are printed in your bulletin or on the screen if you are at home. So I invite you to join in with me this morning in saying no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. This morning's service is our communion service, which we celebrate on the first Sunday of the month, and we intentionally have that be an intergenerational service. Many of you have experienced that before, and if you have not yet had a chance to experience yet that, know that we will get to have some different ways of engaging with scripture and prayer this morning and um, begin with a spirit of curiosity as we move into that space. Advent season is often described as a time of waiting. And so as we settle more deeply this morning, I'd ask you to notice what it is that your spirit is waiting for. That sense of waiting may be pulling you to many different places right now in this moment. There may be things that you are waiting for that are imminent, and there may be things that you are waiting for that are a little bit more long-term. Know that all of that is welcome. This is a space where we are creating beloved community together, and so when we come together, we come together knowing we join from all different places and all different perspectives. And in that spirit, let's breathe together, knowing that God is as close as our breath. Friends, you are beloved of God. And any time you need to return to that breath of belovedness during this service, during the weeks to come, know that it is there for you. Let us rise in spirit and sing number 107, verses 1, 3, and 4, Awake, Awake, and Greet the New Morn in our New Century Hymnal. Thank you. 
And let us join in the spirit of prayer. I invite you to read along silently. This prayer has some words that are easy to stumble over, and so I want to invite you to see the words and hear the words as we join our hearts in prayer. Unslumbering God, at an unexpected hour, you sent an unlikely liberator. Keep us faithful in unguarded moments and alert in uncertain times so that we may seek your unmeasured mercy, serve you with undivided hearts, live together in unbroken community, and greet you with unending praise. For the sake of Jesus, the one we know as Christ, in whom we know your unfailing justice, unfathomable grace, and unlimited love. Amen. Let us rise in spirit and sing, Now We Come to Light the Candle, with the words in our bulletin or on the screen. Robert will play through it once. Today we light the second candle of Advent. This candle is sometimes called the peace candle or the Bethlehem candle. We light it to remember the way that Jesus is the way of peace. We light it to remember that we too walk in the way of peace.
One of the things that I have enjoyed doing with uh, kids and intergenerational groups is theology using picture books. And I've brought many, many books uh, in here for us that we've read together and pondered. But today's a first for me because we're doing an elephant and piggy book. And I'm excited to see how that goes for all of you. There will be the opportunity for uh, group participation. So to warm up, uh, you need to practice your groans. On the count of three, can we just groan together? Like, like, ugh. Ready? One, two, three. <sighs> nice. I think, I think we're ready. We, um, as we've said, are in this uh, season of waiting, and this book jumped out at me because it is a story about waiting. And we're going to pause at some points in the story for some moments for you to maybe share with those who are close of you. There may be some points where I ask you just to call out some answers. There's no right answers uh, when we encounter these questions with Elephant and Piggy. Gerald, I didn't actually know the elephant had a name. I just thought he was Elephant Piggy, so here we go. Gerald, I have a surprise for you. Yay, what is it? The surprise is a surprise. Oh. Is it big? Yes. Is it pretty? Yes. Can we share it? Yes. I cannot wait. You will have to. Wait? What? Why? The surprise is not here yet. So I will have to wait for it. Yes. Oh, here we go. Are you ready? One, two, three with your groans. One, two, three. And we're going to pause there in our groaning. And I want to invite you to Turn to somebody who is near you, if you're here in the sanctuary, if you are at home and have somebody near you, uh, share this moment with them, or maybe take some time to journal this. But this is the, the question for us to ponder, which is, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? It's a big question. It's a big question on purpose. So just turn to those near you, and let's say maybe everybody can name two things they're waiting for. Waitings. 
In just a moment, we're going to come back together, and we're going to come back together with our groans. So if you have uh, shared your waitings, prep for your groaning. All right, are you ready with your groans? One, two, three. Mm. Oh. oh well, if I have to wait, I will. I am waiting. Waiting is not easy. Piggy, I want to see your surprise now. I am sorry, Gerald, but we must wait. Oh, good, here we go again. Ready? One, two, three. <laughs> For our group to consider, and this one I'm going to ask you just to call out as you're able, um, or as you're able, I mean spirit-wise, if you feel like you are open for calling something out to this group, what helps you wait? The serenity prayer. Distraction. I think I heard that from two places. More groans. Knitting. Breathing. And I heard something somewhere here. Hope. Playing music. <laughs> Was there something back here that I didn't quite hear? Pickleball. Those are all good ways to practice, practice waiting. I did hear the request for more groans. I'm not sure how much it comes up, so let's just take our opportunity again right now. One, two, three. Oh, you don't even need me to count you in. I am done waiting. I do not think your surprise is worth all this waiting. I will not wait any more. And so I want to pause there and again as a group. How do you know when to give up waiting? When the, <laughs> the answer was when the Amazon truck comes. Anything else if the thing you're waiting for is not going to be uh, Amazon delivered? How do you know when to give up waiting? When Jesus gives you your answer? When it takes up too much time. Might be a question that we all can continue to ponder. Elephant has decided to ungive up waiting, so he says, okay, I will wait some more. It'll be worth it. Oh, good, there is another one. Ready? Go. Piggy, we have waited too long. It is getting dark. It is getting 
darker. Soon, we will not be able to see each other. Soon, we will not be able to see anything. We have wasted the whole day. Well, we have waited and waited and waited and waited. And for what? For that. That was worth the wait. <laughs> I know. Tomorrow morning, I want to show you the sunrise. I cannot wait. And so on that note, we are switching from a story that it is about waiting and about promises to a different story that is about waiting and about promises. Our second story that we're reading this morning is coming from the Gospel of Mark. And this is within a wider genre that we would call apocalyptic literature. It is all about waiting. In the New Testament books, um, the apocalyptic passages are connected to a belief about a second coming of Jesus. But that idea of an apocalyptic event wasn't invented then. Uh, there were apocalyptic writings that predated Jesus and that talked about this event that would be a lead up to God's reign on earth. And in the case of today's reading, as well as these other writings, there was this expectation that the events that were being described were gonna happen immediately. You'll hear in our reading in just a minute that the author of Mark says, Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all of these things have taken place. And so when we put these uh, writings in that context, it reminds us that we can't read them as though these are um, really very straightforward or literal predictions. And because these are also passages that are in our sacred text, we can't ignore them. We have to at least acknowledge them and ideally even engage with them. And so it's in that spirit that we're reading today from Mark 13. We're beginning at uh, verse 24. But in those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give us its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather the elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. And then we move into two parables or metaphors. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven or the Son, but only the Father. Beware 
keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with the work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come. In the evening or at midnight, at the cockcrow or at dawn, keep awake, or else he may find you asleep. A few weeks ago at uh, youth group, the middle schoolers made a list of all of the things that they worry about. And that list included things from homework, to cancer, to personal phobias and anxieties. And it struck me because that's pretty much how all of our worries go. If we each took a minute to write down what we're worried about, which might have even been things that came up when we asked, what are you waiting about? If we took a minute to write down all of our worries, we'd probably find that right here in this room, everyone is worried about things from homework to cancer to personal phobias and anxieties. And I'd even say that if we kept a worry log for a day, each of us, we would probably find that we hold a range of worries from the more mundane things to the existential things. In some ways, this passage seems to provoke those worries. It's not just that the imagery is scary, but it's that admonishment to always be awake. You know, what are worries if not things that we are always awake to? Anxiety is that part of us that will not let us rest. It's the part of us that makes us groan. This passage was written at a time when people were facing a tremendous amount of turmoil. Mark is writing about 70 AD, which is after a failed revolt. It's after the destruction of the temple. There was a tremendous fear of persecution and war which might have also been things that some of us name in our worries. It is hard to wait for peace. And the only way to not worry in our waiting is when we have ultimate trust that what we're waiting for or who we're waiting on is worth it. Somebody mentioned hope as how we handle waiting. That's what the passage is pointing us towards. It's interpreting the t events of a particular time in light of this promise that the people of faith were trying to call themselves back to. And so for all of the challenges that these apocalyptic prophecies and passages bring up, one of the things that they do for us by calling us back to this element of God working here on earth is reminding us that there is a vision of collective transformation. These apocalyptic ideas, while they contain these elements of judgment sometimes, aren't about individual judgment. It's a vision for something to happen here for everybody. 
Brian McLaren says it this way, salvation isn't an evacuation plan to get souls into heaven after death, but a transformation plan to bring justice and peace for all of the earth and its creatures. It's a bit easier in this season of Christmas time to focus on Advent as remembering how people waited for the birth of the Messiah. It's maybe even a bit easier to spend some time focusing on making room for the baby Jesus in our own lives. And so thinking about this second coming vision can feel a little disoriented. When I read it, it kind of reminds me of being jostled from timeline to timeline in a science fiction movie, which is my least favorite way to experience um, timeline sort of evaluation. But we do that though, that movement from the past and the present and the future because it helps us remember that Advent isn't just about waiting for Christmas. It's about being awake to this incarnation in all the ways that it's gonna come. In the book, Seven Habits for Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey talks about the importance of beginning with the end in mind. That's what these visions of a second coming might do for us. They help us remember that our faith isn't just about looking back. It's also about looking forward, and it helps us ask, what is the world that we want to see? What are we waiting for. This month we're looking at Advent and Christmas through a lens of nonviolence. The idea of beginning with the end in mind is a good framework for that. Gandhi, who is one of the best known practitioners of nonviolent resistance, summarized it this way. He said, I object to violence because it appears to do good, but the good is only temporary. The evil it does is permanent. For us today, we might understand that through the lens of relationships, because nonviolence isn't just about change-making on the national and international level. It's also about how we interact with each other. We can harm one another at home as well as we can in policy making. I think of the ways that a careless word hurts us. The ways our careless words might hurt a loved one. And so beginning with the end in mind might mean things like using gentle words in hard conversations so that how we say something doesn't undermine the goal that we're trying to achieve. Beginning with the end in mind might mean not honking at that driver that irritated us. So as not to add to everyone else's irritation and just ratchet that anger up and up. It might mean breathing before we come home from work or school so that we're not taking our frustrations out on our family members. Handling all of these things with gentleness are all acts of nonviolence. And when we practice them this way, we practice them 
so that we can create peace on a larger scale. So if we put that back into the perspective of Advent and the ongoing work of being open to an incarnational presence, then it means that we are always treating others as though they might just be God with us, Emmanuel. And that brings us back to this idea that we started with of anxiety. In a few months, we'll be done with all the snow, and we will be ready for spring, and we'll be ready for all of the promise that that brings. That's the imagery that Mark turned to. We'll be watching for all those first shoots and those green sprigs, and we'll be doing it eagerly, just like Mark asked us. But the question that arises when we read that, always be awake, is this question of how do we live attentively, but not anxiously? It's the question we were getting at when we explored together how elephant and piggy waited. And it's the question that emerged here in this room when we thought of some things that help us with waiting. Hope, breath, serenity prayer, contemplative practices like knitting, active practices even like pickleball, which you know, uh, Sarah has said, sometimes we have to be active in order to slow down. That's a very real spiritual practice. So turn to those in this season of waiting and wait with an attentive but not an anxious spirit. Let us rise in spirit and sing number 103 in our New Century hymnal, Watcher Tell Us of the Night.
to begin moving now toward the sacrament of communion and it occurred to me in listening to Amelia's reflection that this gathering of Jesus and his friends was when the time of waiting was coming to an end for the conflict that was coming to a head in his life. And so I just invite us to consider this sacrament today in light of what it means to wait and a waiting that's almost coming to an end. And so I invite you to join in the invitation to communion as it's printed in the bulletin and as it'll appear on the screens. Folks over here are the left, and folks over here are the right, and all is all, y'all. <laughs> God's banquet is coming. The time we await when all will gather from north, east, west, and south. time when all will sit together in peace and the wolf will lie down with the lamb. Here at this table we get a foretaste of God's banquet. This is indeed God's table, not the church's, and so all who seek to follow the way are welcome to eat and drink from it. Come and taste the grace eternal. Come and see that God is good. Earlier in Jesus' ministry, people came to him and they asked him, how do we pray? And they asked that because they were in a time of waiting. They were looking for the practices that would help them wait attentively, but not anxiously. And Jesus taught them this prayer. We're going to do it this morning with uh, some body movements, so you might find it helpful to stand up if that's comfortable for you. If you prefer to stay seated, that's certainly fine. And I printed the uh, body movements in the bulletin. So if a body prayer is a helpful way for you to engage in prayer, you have this for you. But I will guide us through it this morning. And we're going to begin by saying um, the first line, and we're going to give ourselves a hug. And we'll just go line by line. So join me in our first line, our Father, Mother, Parent who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed is like this for holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. 
and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. This is hard to do with a bulletin in your hand, but it's lead us not into temptation, but save us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Will you join us in a posture of prayer, keeping in mind that they may be different for different people. Some of you may want to hold your hands toward the table or toward the table if you are joining us from home. Others may find that sitting like this or this or this is a posture of prayer. God, we ask your blessings on this food and this drink. May it nurture our body, and our spirit, that we might go out and continue your work in the world. Amen. On the night when waiting was coming to an end in a way that was not hoped for, but trust emerged that a new way may be coming, Jesus gathered with his disciples and he took the bread and he broke it. And he reimagined a way forward for them, saying, This is my body. It is broken with love, given freely for you in the hopes that you may continue to walk the way of peace. Mm. And in a similar way, at some point, Jesus took the cup and he reimagined for them a way of being in the world, saying, this cup is like my life that has been poured out for you to show you what love looks like in hard times and in times of plenty. And so when you gather, Take this cup and drink from it, that you may remember that our life is poured out so that others may simply live. Whenever you do this, remember me. And so in remembrance and in the presence of the one who comes and the one who is here, we invite you to receive from this table and everything we offer is offered with inclusion in mind. Our bread is gluten-free and so is our juice. If you're not able to come forward or go to the back for communion, simply raise your hand and someone will come to you. All of this so you may taste and see this new way of what can be. <laughs> 